off top. Did you know that pharmacies used to be like the hangout? It was like the hot spot back in the day. Your little soda jerk, cocaine, a cola. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? How's it going? Good. I don't want to um, dilly-dally. Let's get to, well, first of all, the topic for today's show. I think we're going to do a deep dive. A lot of people are talking about the process. We're at the 10-year mark of the process. The Sixers just got put out. And I think the conversation about how well the process worked or didn't work has been simplified. I think we should investigate it. But before we get to all that serious stuff, let's start with the DM that you received this weekend. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of you were very helpful in letting us know that, one, you cannot smoke meth out of a corn cob pipe. <laughs> Um, so good to know. Questionable if a leprechaun can, magical powers, T- TBD. But I also received this DM from a oh listener that will remain anonymous, and I'm just going to read it for you. Story about someone smoking too much out of a corncob pipe. No meth, but a funny story. I came back after the summer my junior year smoking weed in a corncob pipe with tobacco, <laughs> and no one said anything because they just figured I was a weird dude that smokes tobacco out of a corncob pipe. 2004. No one said shit. My roommate comes back and, ab- and abused the privilege. This is a man who worked on the last space shuttle project. He worked at Corning. He's an engineer. He's steady making bake. We go to um- an Umphreys McGee show back when they were doing college bars. When the show ends, I can't find my boy, so I wait for him outside, and I get a call from the bouncer from his phone telling me to come get him. They said they found him curled up in the back of the bar. I found him with his pants around his ankles trying to poop at a toilet that had no walls. The amount I pleaded for help that never came and the parts of his body that I saw is the reason why I don't have kids. No oh, meth, gosh. but the corncob pipe won. To be clear, the reason why we're talking about this is because I made a joke last week that the um, Celtics mascot shouldn't have a corncob pipe. Like, we wouldn't allow a mascot to walk around with cigarettes. So, like, why we have this corncob pipe? But, uh... We got some stories out of it. I don't know if there's anything else to comment on that story, but I just felt like the listeners need to be rewarded for sending us such a, a great, great story. It's just tremendous. I mean, we are days away from us doing this podcast, both with corncob pipes dangling <laughs> out of our mouths. I can't wait. All right. Order it on Amazon. So the process. Mm-hmm. A lot of people hate the process. So today is a day for them to celebrate the failure of the process. I am one of the people who hate the idea of The process. So if you don't completely understand the process, uh, it's the 76ers strategy for becoming successful was just suck really badly. I feel like aside from just how unseemly and ugly it is, like there's a bit of an understanding between organizations that it feels like this uh, cartel of teams or league is financially viable because we all uh, understand the reasons why we're here. We're all going to try to put a good product out there. If one team decides, eh, we're going to game the system. To me, that feels like they are then freeloading on everyone else. So that on an ownership level, I feel like is offensive to me. And I understand that there are times when you want to rebuild and you may not put your best team out on the floor. But the idea that you could systematically, like like the um, the plan was for the 76ers was, just lose and lose and lose and and get rid of any useful assets that seem promising and just try to be terrible until you finally stumble on a couple of key pieces. It just it, it sickens me. 
So I think there are two ways to look at the process. There is Sam Hinkie's process, which lasted from 2013 to 2016. And then there is the post-Hinkie process, which has been centered around Joel Embiid as their focal point superstar and him, his playoff successes and failures. When I look at what Sam Hinkie did, I think at the time before they flattened the lottery odds, if you were a team in purgatory in that 8 to 10 range, that is the best way, unless you are a Los, Los Angeles-based team that can just get a superstar at the snap of your fingers, to rebuild the team. In three years, from 2013 to 2016, that a team that was built around Drew Holiday, Thaddeus Young, Andre Godala, in three years, they turned those assets into Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant, Dario Saric, Robert Covington, with the looming picks that would become Markel Fultz, which could have been Jason Tatum. To your point, they went 1-21 to start the season, and the NBA essentially fired Sam Hinkie and put in Brian Colangelo, who then had the burners, and then everything went crazy. But on its face, the concept that the process failed or failed them is incorrect, because it's not. it wasn't just about losing. Yeah. It was about acquiring as many assets with high ceilings. Right. Yeah, so the process worked from that standpoint. Yeah. I think for the number, I think at a certain point they had two number one overall picks and two number three overall picks in this in a span of about five or six years. So yeah, if that's your goal, then it works. So I think it's an argument. Anyone who's saying that the process was ineffective as far as getting star talent there is just being disingenuous. I think the process worked because there's no way it couldn't work. Like you look at it, it makes perfect sense. It has to work. Um, Did it lead to a championship? No. So like from a strategic uh, cold computer video game way of looking at things. Yes, the process worked. I think I, I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast and he made an argument that I've always made about um, why tanking would never work or extended tanking would never work in football. It's because the culture of the team is something that matters in football. It's very hard to change. I think in basketball, it's a little different. But I don't think anyone's ever tanked as aggressively and openly for as long as the 76ers did so there's a there's an argument i think the point he was making was they just destroyed their culture in this process and it's hard to bounce back from there's an argument that this is the only team that's ever been this committed to being trash for this long and then that stink hangs around there's also a more fun argument to say they've offended the basketball gods which is how i feel and that they are being punished for that because it's just gross yeah gross my thing is like the cultural uh, demise of the 76ers, to me, that the exact pinpoint mark that I would see, say where everything went downhill is when the general manager that the league put in place to replace Sam Hinkie is using burner accounts to attack his star players. Yeah, um, that's, that's a bad situation. And, and then you have Daryl Morey, who's been a great GM. He has been a great GM in the NBA. Um, he built the only team that could go toe-to-toe with the Kevin Durant Warriors. And that is a magnificent achievement because them winning the title was a fait accompli. They were the best team in the history of basketball. And to play them close because you did the math and you built something around James Harden is amazing. You guys broke up James Harden and Daryl Morey. To then bring him back when it's like, it's settling. 
it was it's like he basically was like okay you're a little older you're a little bit less attractive i'm gonna bring you in because i still love you yeah. i still love you more than everyone but else I don't, did. there was no other move yeah, it's at true. the time that was no other move to be made like they were trying to get off of ben simmons when his stock was at an all-time low not so fast to- my friend not you easily we we were like you can't trade him for De'Aaron fox you can't trade him for Tyrese Halliburton. You can't trade him so, for Sabonis. And like right. all of those, just as an asset grab, if you're gonna, if we, if we were gonna continue the process, sure, they weren't, you know, James Harden right. coming right. off his Nets hamstring pull. But if you replaced him with any of those assets, how, Fox, like yeah. the team is just better. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Fox and and Maxi are a bit like duplicative but i, I get yeah. to your point like these are all players that yeah. are, have more value than uh james harden does at this point i i mean i don't think that that trade was a terrible trade at the time uh you can look back on it it's like saying they, also, that, they traded ben simmons let's yeah. be let's be real yeah, about this like getting anything back that would actually step on the floor is an upgrade um and i, I think that would also be the same case for the Mal- markel Fultz trade like yeah uh i think Plenty of people thought that Jason Tatum was better, but nobody was up in arms at the pick and how foolish it was for them to get that pick. So those particular moves don't matter as much. The culture thing, I think we can dismiss that generally. I'm not dismissing the anger of the basketball gods. I'm sticking with that one. But I do think that where I want to focus. Why why are we dismissing the culture of the team? Well, I mean, I'm saying that it's not connected to the tanking or okay yeah it's it's, the culture of the team is can be a result of all these other things but i don't think that they have a a process culture and so like my point when we talk about this with football when people are talking about tanking for particular quarterbacks or maybe we could do the process in football the reason why i think that doesn't work is because there are a bunch of little things and maybe it's different in basketball i'm not in a basketball locker room but there are a bunch of little things that i noticed that were different between good teams and great teams there are like understood practices. And that's what I think, like when I say culture, that's what I think about culture. It's like the things that we do yeah, and that we just, that are like obligatory. Like, yes, these are things that we do. Like extra film study, finishing plays. Like these are small things that you don't necessarily pick up. And uh, like being responsible away from the field. These are a lot of things that I think are ingrained in culture. When I showed up at the Ravens, that's one of the places where I was like, oh, yeah. There's a culture here. Yeah. There were like weird ways to enforce the culture. I, I think I told you this story about um, F him. Did I tell you that? No. Okay. So we had this thing with the Ravens where they had it when I got there where you, when somebody new showed up, you would give them a him. Mm. So whenever you got there, I like when I signed as a free agent, my first team meeting, they're like, hey, this is Dominic. I stand up. It's Dominic Fox. Everybody know him. Like, welcome. Welcome to the team. And everybody like claps for you, whatever. You sit down. And then a, someone amongst the players were like, let's give him a him. And then everyone would go, him, him. And then we moved on. And no matter who came in, it's a free agent, number one draft pick. When we got draft picks in, we'd be like, all right, stand up, introduce yourself. And they're standing, introduce yourself. They're all happy, meet the team. Him. And that's like a small thing. But like the at the time, I'm like, that's cute. That's funny. I'm not thinking about it. But I'm looking back on it. It's like, no, this is a thing that you want to like um, – uh, like uh, you level the playing fields. Like everybody, it doesn't matter who you came from, and they do the same thing. If one of our players got an award, it will celebrate the award. Somebody was a player of the game, celebrate them. But you still get into him, and that's a, like a cultural thing that is that there. Where it's like we have the same expectations all around. And so while the 76ers didn't have anybody there long enough, or anybody there, and that's why you say you want like veteran locker room presences. Like that's what you're talking about, and. With John Morant in the news, we could talk about 
the lack of presence that they have down there. But those are the type of things that I know. Well, yeah, and that's like exactly like that's sort of and like unless we want to say the culture on the team with Joel Embiid as your superstar is the result of this process. Right. Unless we want to, unless you want to draw that as the tangible thing. We were texting during the game with Monica, with Monica McNutt, and she was saying. If, they're, if the Sixers have any, this is when it was still close in the third quarter before Tatum poured it on. If they have any chance, it's going to have to come from PJ Tucker actually like lighting them up in a timeout. That is an indictment of Joel Embiid and James Harden. And like of, the Harden thing, I don't think we need to do a full career retrospective of the amount of times that he has just sucked and not showed up. And, I hate that, though, yeah. by the way. I mean, not just generally, it's, it's something that I don't like is like saying a player is not clutch he's not clutch i know that's why i hate it because this seems to be the case that disproves my general position is that there's not and i mean i I know there's like science behind what happens to your heart rate in certain situations and whatever and some players potentially can be better at controlling those things or focusing on other things or being more comfortable in a situation i accept that to be true but when there are top tier players yeah like i tend not the greatest scorers in the history of the game i tend not to believe that there's top tier players who like been playing basketball their whole lives and then they just scared i think it's a good this is yeah he obviously went away like we saw that during that game he was just not a basketball player in the second half who was wanted to be any part of the action but the bigger thing is like look he built his entire career off of tricking the refs in the regular season into calling fouls so he could play the exact game he wanted to play, get the shots he wanted, get the amount of free throws he wanted. And like, I feel like your magnum opus on basketball is that it's two different sports between the regular season right. and the playoffs. And like point one, paragraph one in this essay is James Harden going from, you know, 1988 Michael Jordan to a, a role player at best in playoff games because he can't draw fouls and co- contact's not thought of the same way i wish that um i I think it's my personal like feeling about the players that makes it hard for me to say that but you're right i that i should adopt that into my argument about the regular season being very different from the postseason but yeah i mean there's no that's the one case that i can't defend where it's like because i remember they did it to lebron like lebron's just not clutch and i that was a long time ago way before his championships i was like you guys are stupid yeah it's (laughs) this is just stupid disgusting to any of our (laughs) listeners who haven't seen lebron's highlights or stats from the 2009 playoff series against Uh, the magic when all that clutch stuff started uh you know he was prime michael jordan in that series they still lost despicable well um i don't know i think the what's next for them is a big question what happens with do the is Doc back? Is nope. Harden back? Nope. Does Embiid demand a trade? Uh, so you said nope to Doc and Harden. I think you're right about Doc. Um, I don't know if you're right about Harden. We got Woj saying that there's very serious interest in him yeah. going back to Houston. Um, that seems like a done deal. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess we'll see. It's all probably who gives him the most money. But I mean, if he wants to avoid all pressure situations for the rest of his career, that's the place to go. Unless they get Wembenyama in the draft. The, the question for me about this is, if we want to talk about a repudiation of the process, it's, is Joel Embiid the guy? And Philly has adopted him as, like, I don't know, their favorite athlete since Iverson. Um, and he's someone who complained and complained and complained until he won an MVP this year, then complained about winning the MVP because it put too much pressure on him in the postseason. He's either been hurt, poorly conditioned, or bad in the majority of the like payoff games in his postseason career. And he's going to be 30. He's 
a million feet tall. And are we are we going to get to a point where the bloom is off the rose with thinking Joel Embiid is someone who's going to be an A1 guy. This is the can... hardest thing to do. So, like, I, I'm not ready to move on from Joel Embiid. I assume that Philly's not either because it's impossible to to uh, find players that are that yeah. good and that talented. Hall of Famer. But this is – these are the questions, I guess, that you have to ask to be ahead of – it's like disruption theory and in, in that you – if you have a successful product – and someone else builds a low-end version of it, and you're like, oh, that's not good enough to beat us. Eventually, it catches up and passes right. you, and then it's too late. You should have bought it when it was small. And it's a real kind of convoluted analogy, but in this situation, a player like Joel Embiid, even if he doesn't demand a trade, yeah. if someone has the foresight or the, I guess, the credibility like Daryl Morey to be like, actually, this ain't going to work here. This will be the time to move him for max assets if you wanted to move him. This is crazy. How did we end up here? I don't think you can move him, but when it goes bad, it's going to go really bad for him. When he falls off a cliff, he's going to... You know, you know that picture of um, Patrick Ewing guarding Hakeem Olajuwon when Patrick Ewing yeah. is on Orlando and I think Hakeem's on Toronto? Like, we're going to see uh, Orlando Patrick Ewing with him being when it goes bad. I mean, the, the bigger thing with, with me is that, like, even if you don't, want to give up on him you have to assess him as a different player than you thought he was a couple weeks ago like you just have to this is years and years of information that you expect someone who's a top i mean a top four player in the nba for 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 three consecutive years to not absolutely suck when the lights are the brightest i mean i think it's absurd even to put on a table that they might get rid of him but that is the type of like yeah thinking all these things happen too late you know, like the the Ben Simmons trading Ben Simmons happened too late. Yeah. They held on for too long. Like it tends to be the case that it happens too late. But the 76ers are in a bad spot given their history of processing. They can't like trade him for a bunch of picks again. We're back in. We hoping we get Vic. They also gave up their picks in the James Harden trade. Oh, that's right. You know, which is makes it much more complicated. Like, yeah, they're they're in a really tough spot because they have to, they have a limited w- window to build a team around Embiid. And if we no longer think that, or I shouldn't say we no longer think he can, we have zero proof he can so far that Embiid can be the guy who can actually dominate playoff series. I mean, and we're talking about, we're not talking he has to be Michael or LeBron. We're saying like, he has to play at a level like Jokic and Giannis, the people he's compared to. And he has not done that in his postseason career, ever. Fair. All right, well, I'm done listening to you hate on Embiid. Uh, Stop flopping. You're 290 pounds. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to roses and thorns eventually. But before that, I want to bring in David Dennis Jr. to help me discuss the Ja Morant stuff. And Charlie, stick around, please. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What's up? David Dennis Jr. joining us as promised. Charlie, where are we going? We are going to start with John Morant. Um, got a question for you guys. How do you feel about what happened with Ja and his suspension? And where do you think this is going? Oh, that's good hosting. You look like Pat Sajak. No, he's not really a host. I shouldn't have done the finger guns there. It just came out instant. <laughs> yeah, that's just terrible, <laughs> terrible. All right, yeah, this is a serious subject, but it's been going on for so long that we're at a point now where it is also kind of funny. Unfortunately, nothing terrible, uh, too terrible has happened yet. Jaffil, I feel like he's been lucky, and we all just the places the things that he's doing and the the behaviors that he's showing like they could end really poorly and last time he got off with a slap on the wrist and then he went and did it again and so if you don't know the history John Miranda there's some run-ins and physical altercations assault charges um and then while all this is swirling around John Moran, he goes on Instagram live and dangles a gun uh at a Denver strip club I think it was and then he gets suspended and he comes back and tells Jalen Rose that he's all better and he wants to take responsibility of his life. They we go we forgive him essentially. And he goes on, they're they're playing in the playoffs, they're running John Morant's shoe commercials. It's like nothing ever happened. And then they get put out of playoffs. And then this weekend, he's on live again, dangling a gun, swinging it around, and then the league has suspended him indefinitely this time. So that's the background. David Dennis, make this makes sense, please. Uh, um, well, I, I think he would take um, umbrage with the idea of dangling a gun. This is a larger gun now. He won't do it. This was not, yeah, this was not a, a gun that you dangle. So that's that's something that he he I guess heard that he heard the uh, the criticisms of his last gun and fixed it. Made some adjustments sad, off the sad, sad. Um So I, I want I, I went through like different places with this. Like I went I went on a journey when I saw this. Right at first. I saw it and I was like, you know, like, are we still going to do this? Like this guy just likes guns. And to me, it felt like this is my initial reaction. It felt like there are like these political folks who have legislation about like, let's keep shooting up, you know, schools and all that stuff who are wearing AK-47s on their lapels. Right. And I was just sort of like, where is the John Morant in the grand scheme of that? Right. And I wanted to do the it was a little bit of what about type of stuff. Right. Admittedly. And then I just sort of like boiled down to, no, this guy's making bad decisions and he's making bad decisions with a gun in his hand. And like, that's just really just what it is. Like a guy making bad decisions with a gun in his hand is never a good thing. I might take it a step further than that and that it doesn't feel like he's making decisions. And I want to be careful about like trying to be a, a doctor 
because I'm not to a guy who I've never met. But it was at the the first gun incident or the first time when he was on live with a gun that I stopped trying to like discuss John Morant as if he was a rational person where I stopped saying, stop making these decisions. I stopped saying he's just uh, a young kid who's fallen into some power and money and don't know how to act because we said that about the several other incidences that he had. And while it was at his height, he did something even dumber. And so that happened. And I was like, all right, there's something more to this that I don't understand. And I'm not qualified to diagnose. And then to do that same thing less than the, I was going to say less than a year, but less than six months later to do it again. It's like, there are some really, really major questions. They suspended him indefinitely. It should come with like some uh, requirements to talk to some professionals because there's something else going on here. This just ain't this ain't like Iverson, like people try to make it out to to be. This is not like when Jalen Rose said he remembers being like this. Also, that ain't it. This is a different type of situation that the the NBA has not uh, dealt with. Well, yeah, because it's hard to apply rationality to an overall irrational phenomenon, which is like gun enthusiasm in America. Like that is also part of this, too, like that there are people who just, you know, I, there was people, social media was posting all these pictures of these folks who were like taking all these gun photos, with their kids and family photos, and things like that. And just, we just there's just uh, there's also that uniquely Americanness of this, too, is that this guy, as part of what he loves is guns. Right. And because of John Moran and the way we talk about guns across racial lines that we don't think about like black folks as being just total gun enthusiasts or gun nuts or whatever. But that's part of this too, is that this guy just loves guns for whatever reason, whether it's the the rap music that makes him want to do that, whether it's just like what he would, you know, where he was raised, how he was raised, all that stuff. The dude just loves guns and there is no rationality behind the enthusiasm that people have for guns that make them, that treat them like their accessories at parties, you know, which is essentially what he's doing. He needed the gun to say the NBA young boy lyric. That's what the video was, what he needed that for the uh, the accoutrements of rapping along to these lyrics. And so there's all of that in the midst of this. Too. You've never sounded older than you said. Maybe it's the rap music. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's next, Charlie? No, I mean, that, for the record, David, that, that's a huge part of it, too. It's like the need that what seemingly feels like a narcissistic need to talk into cameras for those young Gen Z kids is a huge weird part about this. But I do want to get to the to the response to it. Obviously, we'll. The media reaction is one thing, but the Grizzlies suspended him from all team activities and it's pending NBA review. Do you guys think that the Grizzlies sort of handled this correctly? And how do you think Adam Silver can and should handle this evolving situation? This feels like when you get when you skip school and you get suspended for skipping school, like no, make me go to school. You know, like, like, why, why are you going to suspend him from team activities and leave him to be hanging around with his friends who are on IG Live? Like, make, like, I, I would have felt better if it was like John Morant has to report to the facility at eight o'clock every morning and like do something else. You know, um, like, I, I mean, the Grizzlies had to do something, obviously, uh, but the NBA's response. I mean, there's consideration. I think Woj was saying there's consideration of a substantial suspension at the beginning of the next season. Yeah, possibly half the season is what's being possibly rumored. half the season. But I mean, then you know, then you become an NBA that has a slippery slope on how you talk about guns in general, right? Like this guy was flashing guns on IG live, and now we have a league that is now 
planting its flag somewhere in the gun control debate that, you know, it, it gets tricky because like, what is the NBA actually going to do about gun violence in this country? Like that, that's the thing. Like you're speaking to a larger issue when you talk about suspending guy for half a season for like flashing a gun, which has, it's not technically like the legality varies by depending on where he is. And what are you saying about guns in general? I hate it. So someone, this whole ecosystem is somewhat broken down, I think, because the NBA suspension of John Morant the first time, like to me, was like kind of improper. Like, I'm not arguing that he didn't deserve to be suspended. It just felt like they didn't have grounds to suspend him because the grounds that they were looking to suspend him on was that he traveled with the gun. He was on team facilities and team um, activities with the gun. They couldn't necessarily prove that. So while I think that he needed some comp- some repercussions, it wasn't the league's place to do that. And I think the same thing happens now. So I guess it can be the team's place because he's an employee of the team. And the team's like, well, the way that you're behaving is something that we don't think represents us well we can suspend you. So like, I'm always concerned like with my union background with like how much power uh, you give to the league. But the reason why I said it feels like the ecosystem is somewhat broke down is I'm not crazy enough to think that he doesn't deserve repercussions for this, but I don't think that it should come from the league. And maybe it's the team. Maybe it's Nike, the, the company that has so much invested in his image. Like the league is, if John Morant washes out of the league, the league's going to be fine. Nike's going to be fine, too. The person who's going to be hurt is John Morant. So and it's a hard thing when the 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 solution to the problem is also the problem. I I really don't know how to fix any of this. It's confusing to me. It's scary for me. One thing worth noting, too, is in theory, if he were to be suspended for, let's just say, half the season, what's being rumored, he already lost the thirty eight million dollars for not making all NBA teams in his contract. He will lose another 16 and a half million dollars um for salary for half the season that becomes a 55 million dollar so, fine if in it, theory and if that don't if that don't wake you up then it's back to the original is like this is bigger than all that like this is yeah. something else and uh, uh, what should come with any of the punishments is like a requirement to seek the help that or to seek some help because this is this is a problem and we're lucky again we're lucky that it hasn't been something worse yeah, but I mean, again, that's the thing that's tough to litigate. He went to whatever counseling before the playoffs, said that he was continued getting continued treatment. So what is like what kind of counseling reaches the threshold of things being OK? Like this guy just got to sort of like change his his thing. He's got to change his on his own and like want to. But like, I don't it's hard to see that right now. I mean, obviously, we can say, all right, he's young, young with a bunch of money. We've eliminated the idea that he's just got bad friends because like. He's the bad friend, it seems like, because his homeboy was like, <laughs> please put the gun away. His homeboy was like, like, I don't want, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, job, like, like, job or ranch friends need better friends. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's just, it's just him right now. That's, that's the issue. And either he's going to grow out of it or he's not. And he's going to lose a ton of money. And hopefully the ton of money is the, is the worst thing that he loses. Yeah. I guess the, the, the final thing that we should talk about really quickly on this is, we are, I think, um, and David, particularly you on this, you've been pretty measured in the reaction to the reaction about this. And we've seen a lot of people, and I think journalists are embarrassed for immediately giving him a second chance after the Jalen Rose interview, after the 96 hours of treatment in Florida. Do you think in, in totality, the media is getting it right this time and sort of how we are assessing John Morant and talking about it? Because we don't, 
have a long track record of talking about what really amounts to a mental health issue with other than just being like, we're empathetic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, man. I think, I mean, I think the thing that's so tough is that we're like, we, we've been talking about the guns and stuff, but like there's the fighting the 17 year old and counter suing during the playoffs, a 17 year old kid, you know, and the, the going to the mall thing. I mean, I think, that one of the good things that like if this was 20 years ago, we'd be talking about like hoodlums and using that type of language and what he's wearing and what he um, listens to. I know I alluded to rap music, but he just likes NBA young boy, but just like, this is a hip hop problem. You know, like I think that there's, there's that good evolution, but we like, we do not know how to talk about things like mental health or PTSD from coming from like um, the type of backgrounds that, you know, a lot of black folks in this country come from. We definitely don't talk about um, the gun fanaticism in this way that we, that we should talk about it and what that means globally. And for people who like there are a lot of guys in the league or in general who flash guns like he does. They just don't put it on IG live like there is a gun thing in this country largely. So, I mean, there's a lot of nuances that we're sort of missing out on. But, I, you know, I sort of lean towards the idea of giving folks grace, but man, he's sort of running out of it at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's the the point you made a, a few minutes ago, Charlie, about the Gen Z and their incessant need to like be filmed or film. Like it's your job, Morant. You got enough attention. I don't understand why you want to be on live. Like to me, it doesn't don't. There like, were a hundred people in the live. There were just 100 people in the live. Like, can we talk about this? There were there were a hundred people there who were watching this thing. It wasn't like it wasn't like my adoring fans. It was his homeboys live and like his cousins were watching this thing and somebody decided to film it. All right. Well, hopefully we don't have to talk about Jabberant in a negative light ever again. I can't say that I'm optimistic, but anyway, I appreciate you for joining. Just, let, just dunk on more white dudes, John. Just can you come back? Just dunk on tall white dudes, please. We, that's, 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 I remember we were young and innocent and naive. And good old days. Just you for yeah. Banging on big fellas. All right, David. Appreciate you. All right, man. Next up, Roses and Thorns. He's so good. How is Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Three, two, one. <laughs> All right, time for my favorite part of the podcast, Roses and Thorns, with my favorite podcast cast member and wife, Ashley Fox. Thank you. So, I mean, you're my wife for now. I don't know how much longer it'll last now that (laughs) Jalen Hurts has his master's degree. I was so proud when I saw that. You don't know him. You never met him. You're not proud of him. But here's what I remember, right? I remember I watched like two college football games a year. And I remember back when he was playing for Alabama and they won a championship, right? And then the next year they were like, we got this new kid, bye kid who just won us a championship. I don't know if that's really what happened. That's not exactly what But happened. that's how I saw it. And I like began to like feel for this guy who then had to like go to a different school. Maybe he wanted to, this but I guess- all just bullshit. This is all wrong. <laughs> it's all bullshit. No, 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 no. This is exactly what happened. No, your appreciation for Jalen Hurts. Oh, and nothing he's to, sexy. Yeah, it has nothing to do with him overcoming obstacles. No, and he used to have dreads back Stop then, it. right? I did used you to don't like, like him. Dreads. I, I, but I'm saying I remember who he was, and it was two that replaced him, right? Right. I remember this. I wouldn't know this if it weren't for the fact that I remember him back then, and he went to Oklahoma, right? Yeah. I remember I'm all sick. this. Oh, my point and is, then hold on, is it true that? Okay, this part I might be lying about, but did his year like once he went to Oklahoma and was like starting for them did they play Alabama in like a 
an end of the year game. I made that part up because because in my mind, I wanted him to play Alabama. No, I mean, he's he's had the last laugh. I mean, he's oh, had for the, the biggest sure. contract. And got his master's because he probably had a little extra school in that transfer situation or Probably. something i guess second biggest now that lamar um has the biggest contract but i like how they're just like each one it's like okay now add, add a dime the, on that's the tradition of quarterback <laughs> play it's always and every year they have big arguments about but this guy's not better than the last guy but it doesn't matter that's not how it works you pay them more because the cap has grown and now you have to pay them more so and i respect that as somebody who is married to somebody who is all about like players rights yeah. and giving players what they want like shoot keep pushing it do you Keep making it better for the next guy. I'm not worried. So if um, Jalen Hurts is walking down the streets, are you going to yell at him like I was uh, yelled at uh, yesterday? No, I'm sure people don't yell at Jalen Hurts. They just yell at you. <laughs> no, it was no okay. I'm sure a lot of people yell at Jalen Hurts, but I wouldn't because like I would be too cool for that. And I'm not like actually trying to get with Jalen Hurts, guys. Like obviously, I'm happily married to this guy right here. I'm not. I'm not insecure, and I don't think anybody who's watching this cares whether I am or not. So I'm not worried. So. For those of you who watch on YouTube or follow Dominique's Instagram account at, what is it? Foxworth. 20, I have no idea what your Instagram yeah. is. Dominique oh, my, Foxworth. I think my Instagram is just my name, Dominique Foxworth. Dominique Foxworth. Yeah. He posts two stories a week now. Stories, not posts. Two stories a week. He's terrible. But it's to tell you that his podcast is to link you to the YouTube of his podcast, basically. It's like a, you're welcome. We talk about this week. Um, yes, but that is all he does. I'm like, so this doesn't like, this isn't what she meant. Like, like (laughs) you're supposed to be like doing better Uh. and this is not really doing better. But so he said on there, and if you watch the podcast, he said, um, you see it that he goes into a studio now. And like, so we're sitting together across from each other. Whereas normally um, when I would do it, we'd be at home in different rooms. I said last week that it was the most beautiful episode we've done, <laughs> but now like the quarterback have, contract <laughs> things have changed. This is now the most beautiful episode that we have done. Cause we added you, but anyway, so like secretly, not secretly openly a dream job to me has always been, even though like, like Jalen, I have some degrees. None of them are related so to journalism. Um, but I wish I could be Kelly Ripa. Only because... Yeah, let's be honest about the reason why. Yeah, only... I'm being honest. One, she does a lot of tangent talking. Like, she has to get to the point and interview people. But it's like her personality just comes out, like... And she tells all these other stories. But really... A large reason why I wish I could be Kelly Ripa is because she gets to dress cute every day <laughs> and wear heels and hardly have to walk them. Like she stands up to go to like the little part where they're doing like, oh, this cooking thing or to like greet the guests. But she gets to look so cute every day and then change probably into her like exercise clothes for the rest of the day. That is the dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people get to see it like so it's appreciated. I, I learned a long time ago that I don't know, maybe 40 percent of the reason why we go on dates or go out the restaurants is so that you can wear clothes or shoes or something and i also like spending time with him no i know but i we could spend time doing a ton of other things and i remember early in our relationship i would schedule when i would try to schedule dates which i didn't do often and i'm not very good at which i'm sure at some point i know i'm in line for a complaint in that department but i would no i would schedule them early and be like, oh, yeah, let's go. Then we can be back, watch TV, be in bed, go to sleep and chill out. And then Ashley be upset because and chill you, look, out. you look really, <laughs> yeah, go to sleep. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> you look really silly going to a restaurant and your nice going out clothes when the sun's still up. 
But listen, I've actually come around you with you on around. that point. Now I'm like, like Thursday, we have something to do. I was thinking, like, as I was getting out close to this, I was like, oh, maybe I can wear that Thursday. I was like, I plan on leaving the house by 530. I don't know if that's a 530 p.m. outfit, but you know what? It's going to be because I don't like leaving the house when the sun's down anymore. I was young and dumb. I've matured. But anyway, back to my original point. Your outfits, though. I, I mean, again, I've I, I know that it's somebody. Where were we? Where, where we were this weekend? Somebody said. Don't you just love how Ashley dresses? I was like, no, I don't. But it ain't she don't dress for me. He I does not. not he me. does not. It's for you. Like when we go to a restaurant in DC and you got on New York 11 p.m. level of flyness, and everyone else in DC is just coming for work. It's like, hey, I was wearing a blouse and jeans and Converse I'm just saying this in general, weekend. To in be general, clear, in general, where it's just like I'm not. I've taken well, it down several notches over the past. Okay, few years. I agree. You have taken it down several notches. Still, too many notches for DC, but it's fine. It is what it is. And now I, whatever personality I want to show through my clothes. Can't do it because then we look real crazy. We both walk because he shows so much personality through his clothes, guy. I just gotta wear a black shirt, black pants, black shoes because he prefers to wear sequins blazers. Like I want to wear a leopard print sweater every now and then, but I we look silly if I got on leopard print and you got on sequins and we in DC at seven thirty. Um, but so this, like, because we're in person together, it almost feels even more like a date then. So that was what, so you know what? I'm going to say that's my rose. Mm -hmm. An early rose for you is like, well, it's not early because we've been talking for like 10 minutes, but a rose for you. We are on a date now. We're going out Thursday for something. And then we're going to a concert and spending the night actually in Baltimore, I hope Saturday. Mm -hmm. So look at all those dates. Yay for making that happen. Another rose is he took the kids to school this morning. I sneeze a lot when I wake up in the morning. Like, I don't know if it's from the cat being in my room sometimes at night or if it's just like some normal thing that people like get all their sneezes out in the morning. I take my Zyrtec and like, then I'm better like after an hour of being awake. But I sneezed a lot back to back when I was about to go get dressed to take the kids to school after I had gotten their breakfast and had them all ready for school. And he said, you want me to take them? And he says that he does say that a lot, but most of the time I'm like, no, I'm good. And I was like, you know what? And first I think I did say, no, I'm good. And I said, you know what? Never mind. You're right. They don't need me sneezing in the car with them today. Have fun, buddy. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't mind taking it. It was fine. No, I'll I know. All the time, no, you but... do. And I'm always like, I got this. Yeah. But, um, we never really clarified that a woman on the street yelled at me. Yelled at him. Amazing. It was amazing. Happy he, Mother's Day to that. Yes, and princess. I well, you didn't even remember because she was with her kids, and you didn't say Happy Mother's Day. I didn't say, Oh, Happy Mother's Day. He keeps me around because I'm lovely. But I was confused because we were in Maryland, um, and yeah. it was like a black woman about our age. So I was like, Oh, must be one of our friends from Maryland. Yeah, I, she was so familiar. I and know. It was like yelling like, across hey, the Dominic street. Foxworth. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, hey, girl. And then I was like, oh, happy Mother's Day. And I like, I. That's so kind. It happens. Oh, yeah, it was really kind. It happens occasionally where I meet somebody that I do know and I act like, and I've learned, like, you always, and I don't remember everybody that I've met. And so I just always. He does not remember a lot of things. What were we talking about before uh, that? Mother's Day and how I failed on Mother's Day. I I never said he failed on Mother's Day. I never said that. But you felt it. But no, but before Mother's Day, I. said something to him about like either I can't remember how it started but like I was picking up little gifts like for my sister. You gave me a pump fake. You pump fakes me. Anyway go ahead. I don't even know that analogy but um, I was picking up gifts for like both of our moms and then but also for my sis, my little sister who has two kids my older sister who is my one of my kids godparents but she just helps me so much and like loves my kids and like mothers them with me um, to some extent. No she don't. Go ahead. She's so great and helpful with them. She is. Your older sister? Yeah. Lauren? Oh, shit. 
That one. I know who my older sister is. Oh no, I I love I love Lauren. She's great, but yeah, like she comes, she has sleepovers. When she looks, she used to do their hair. Like when we went to Miami, she like, like she's very. She came on both of our trips with us recently. She cleaned up. Um, Emerson spit up she was like with her the day she had the altitude sickness so anyway I was getting Mother's Day gifts for these people he was like you only do something nice for your mother and I was like or like the mother of your children when the kids are too little do something nice for you so he made sure to take each of the kids to stores to get me gifts my youngest child with, and this isn't, I would do, I'm not my youngest child. My youngest child in the end refused to go anywhere, but she just wanted to get me another bracelet that she, from like, I don't know where, but somewhere that I wasn't excited about. And then she would get mad at me for not wearing it. And she gets herself matching ones. So like her necklace that she got me one year for Christmas from Pandora is like a mother-daughter necklace. And she's always like, you're not wearing it today. It was Mother's Day. Um, it was Mother's Day, okay. Um, and so so she decided in the end she'd rather go play with her cousins when it was time for them to run their errand. I was like, cool, we get to send you off. to like You go play with your cousins. I'll accept that loss on Mother's Day. But the boy, he took him, and I think last week I mentioned, like, good for you for getting ready for Mother's Day early because they went to the mall. And what they got was Legos. because my son, But they were flower-shaped Legos, but my son loves Legos. So for Mother's Day he made me a vase with Legos flowers in it which is really sweet and it's cute and I, it'll be really great until Lamar breaks it like he does most of the Lego structures Lamar's our cat and then the oldest she she went with him to get me a gift and she got me lush products um like the a little mini thing of the sleepy gel and the sleepy lotion but here's the thing about the sleepy lotion one she was pressuring she takes all of my products so like before long they'll just be in her room but also she regularly uses in my bedroom i have a huge thing of the sleepy lotion behind my lamp on my night uh. table so like i didn't want to like be rude i wanted to like hide it but i'm like you use it like i give it to you when we watch movies together she's probably just like i want one for me to have up in my room so yeah, i'm gonna give this um but so that was really sweet like he took them to do those things but the day before Mother's Day, um, when we were talking about this, and he was like, why would I do something for you on Mother's Day? You're not my mother. <laughs> and I was like, true, true. retelling it. But Such then, a okay, you can, you no, can retell your to. version later. It's already, story's already long enough. And Okay, true. And I was like, so what, are we doing anything for Mother's Day? I'm just wondering, should I, like, should I expect us to do anything? And we already had a dance recital for my youngest and then a football game for my son. So I knew, like, a lot of the day was taken with kids' activities. Um, and then he's like, huh? <laughs> So in the end, he went to the grocery store, which was very sweet, um, at like 1 a.m. Saturday night, Sunday morning, and got stuff to cook chicken and waffles for dinner with. So, all right, swing and miss. You. It's all right, I'm good at everything else. Thank you. Take the good with the bad. When I like to celebrate stuff, do I? Am I the type that likes to stay home, or do I like to go out? You like to go out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm not arguing that I did a good job. I said I failed. It was just funny yeah, to me. I mean, I failed. And then this part is my fault, too. Dominique is like, don't clean the kitchen. But, like, I knew he had work to do. And I see how, like, my daughter is the messiest little chef, and she was helping my husband cook. Um, but, like, I was like, I have to, like, and they fry it stuff, and they, they try it different batters, so there are a lot of bowls. And it just, I was like, he can't have to clean all this up. Like, so then it's I fine. was I like. Clean it up. It's okay. But I appreciate your help. But, I mean, this is, this I knew I'm that saying I that failed. part's on me. This is a, a difference between me and you that I brought up when we were having a conversation the other night is I'm wrong sometimes. Come up short. I'll be like, hey, I'm wrong. I came up short. It's something that you uh, struggle with when it's like just being like, I was wrong. It feels like never being or you have never been wrong in the whole in the history of any discussion we had because you are very smart and you shift the argument just enough to find ground where you can win reminds me of our son and i'm like okay i guess on that point yeah i guess you're right but that ain't what we talking about 
Like I said, I'm educated like Jalen Hurts, and one of my degrees is a JD that I don't use. So, so I put use it on me. that law practice to work, arguing with my husband. Like I need, I need to use it just enough to like keep keep the um, negotiating and arguing ability. No, I don't think so. I think if you were to like run this, even this podcast back, like all of the however many at this point hours that we've been doing this segment. You would probably find like 20 times I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I might say it's not kind of soft because I'm not proud of it, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true. I got right. I got to figure out what the difference is in those conversations, because there are conversations where I think it's something that when it's emotional, or it's a feeling thing. It's like that you can't be wrong about. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But it's really? a thing. I would say almost it's it's the opposite. Sometimes when I feel like emotional, I might just be more likely to be like, yeah. No, not emotional, like upset, but like when your position is tied to an emotion, when you feel like, because this, the conversation that I, that brought this to my attention was like <laughs> about. Like, I was right about that, y'all. You were not right. I was so you, right. You tried to make it feel like you were right. You changed it to a subject to, to make you right when it was not. That was not the subject we were talking about. So here's what it was. So my daughter, the oldest, is 12. And she she probably, I think in second grade for her first communion, she got her hair straightened once. And it was like a rainy day. And it just puffed up right away. And I had like a kid's version of, like, it just, so it wasn't. And she was only, what, eight or nine. So she didn't really care. Um, but recently, like since COVID, she's gotten her hair straightened maybe two times, not even a whole lot, like two or three times, maybe I think twice, because one of the times the younger one went. And I admit on the youngest, like it just, it looks like a, it's just too much for me. I'm not used to it. And it's like, she looks just like Dominique. So seeing this, like a pale Dominique. So seeing this little pale Dominique with like straight hair just looks really crazy to me. But I don't like to tell them, like, like I want them of course to love their natural hair and to love their curls. And, um, but I don't want to tell them you can't also love your hair in other ways. So I think sometimes your mess and Dominique just looks at them and rolls his eyes like they know, like daddy hates when our hair is done. And whether it comes from a place of he just really hates um, and he doesn't he like he prefers when my hair's curled. He wants my hair curling great. Like he wants stuff in its natural ish state, not yeah, all the way natural ish, not all the way natural. I need to put products in it. But like and then he acts like that's something that he's preferred ever since he first met me, which like to my maybe he just did a really good job of not making me feel bad about when I had my hair straightened, but to my knowledge, it's something that's more recent. Right, and that's the point. The argument shifted to that when the conversation was about um, whether the girls should get their hair straightened or not. And I was like, honestly, I just don't think like at 12 years old or seven years old that like being concerned with spending whatever amount of time or money getting your hair straightened is like something that's worth doing. They do it, it's fine. And then you were like, you don't even like hair. Like, it ain't about what I like, <laughs> and that's what I mean. So we moved on, I was right, you were wrong. You were okay. not I right. <laughs> I love you, but you're right sometimes. Let me think. Let me think of something he was right about recently. There are definitely things he's right about. All right, we'll be here for a long time, <laughs> so maybe next week you can tell the people. I'm gonna what come I back with right a report. About. I'm gonna make a list of all the things you were right about. I'm right about a lot of things. I just let it slide. I don't care to prove my rightness. I tell you, you're right about things a lot. No, I'm saying that I'm right about some things that we accept. Even, that no, you're that right I disagree. About. No, things that we accept that you're right about. I'm right about them. I'm just like, all right, cool. We're good. Shut it down. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm not going to waste my time having this argument. It's, it's whatever. It's fine. Okay. I love you. I love you too. All right. I want to thank Charlie as usual and my man, David Dennis Jr. for joining Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, Adi Khan, and the people here at Popville Media for making it look so beautiful. All right. See y'all next time. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.